We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. So I'm scrolling through the endless black hole of Instagram because I'm avoiding going to bed (laughs) super late at night. It's like 2 a.m. in the morning. And I come across this Instagram account called Dude With Sign. And please tell me that you know what I'm talking about because the whole account is this guy protesting the most random things by holding up a cardboard sign with the thought that we've all had at some point in our lives, (laughs) you know, calling out some cultural patterns that we see but we don't talk about or maybe we're even guilty of ourselves. Anyway, he held up one that said, not everyone needs a podcast, which I pretty much spit my coffee out. Not that I was drinking coffee at 2 a.m. in the morning, but those figure of speech, <laughs> so funny. But the number of podcasts that have been born unto this world is quite a lot. And I think the population growth of podcast babies is more than the population growth of America during this pandemic times, truly. <laughs> but the one thing that I will say about the increase of podcasts and other social platforms is that there's an increase of conversations being had about critical thinking of these socially constructed ideas that we've grown up on. And we have a much easier access to these conversations wherever we are on the globe. And it's not just reserved for a small group of humans who live on the fringe. We all get to witness how others are living in the world, which can then inspire us to question our own scripts, our own beliefs, all about how we're living and how we're loving. Now, with the increase of availability of everyone's voice also comes great responsibility too. What are we going to do with this influx of information? Are we adopting it all as truth with a capital T or are we questioning? Are we researching? Are we thinking critically for ourselves? Or are we simply taking the information and allowing it to become a new box for us to live comfortably in? without questioning everything else or what might not be accurate or true about it. Relationships and sexuality are an infinite spectrum of expression and of possibility if we allow ourselves to get curious. In today's episode, we talk with Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb about creating non-traditional relationships, kinks, fetishes, and how we can navigate the complexities with more ease. But before we get to Dr. Rhoda, you all know, that I'm about the pleasure life and how I could infuse even more pleasure into whatever it is I'm doing. Same when it comes to my personal or my partnered playtime. How can I make this even more juicier? Whatever gender you identify or don't identify with, maybe you'll agree. Sex is just better with lube. Like if it's not slick, no dick or a toy or finger because it's just not as sensual. It's not as easeful and it's just not as enjoyable. When I'm asked what I use, I share that Uber Lube has been at my bedside for years in total plain sight because A, I like being naughty and leaving clues to my sex life out for people to stumble upon. And B, it looks like a luxurious bottle and looks really nice among my other things. I also just love the satin feeling of this particular brand between my fingertips. It doesn't get so dry like the other brands when you have to just keep reapplying. Super awkward when you have to pause. And when it comes to sex, feeling is everything and Uber Lube feels so good. Designed with luxury and intimacy in mind, UberLube enhances intimacy. It's doctor recommended with no scent, no taste, and it works underwater. Just a little squirt goes a long way. And use code EPS10 for 10% off. Link is in the show notes for you. Now, as an avid yogi and sex marathon runner, I don't glimmer. I full-on sweat sexy, right? (laughs) Which also can make me feel super sore in my body and just get really tired. Signs from my body that I need help with the hydration station. Luckily, 
I found my new favorite must-have drinks from Elemental Labs. I swear, the most delicious electrolyte drinks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors, so you can be sure that it's all nourishment straight to your sexy body. I love the lemon habanero. Literally drinking it right now. It's like the best pleasure in my mouth. Link in the show notes for a free sampler pack. Just add shipping and see why I love it. I want to thank you all for tuning in. And I want to thank you for reviews on the iTunes, especially those little love notes. Those are really nice and they just warm my heart and it helps my podcast to grow because my goal here is to help you to eat, play and sex so much better. And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show and get my free guides on sex and love. Now to our awesome guest, Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb is a sex therapist and author of the book, No More Hiding, Permission to Love Your Sexual Self. Woo! All about that. (laughs) She specializes in the alternative sexuality communities, such as open relationships, GLBT, BDSM, AB slash DL, kink and fetishes. Oh my God, Dr. Rhoda, that's so many acronyms. I don't even know what that means. I know, isn't that a lot? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I recently read that there are 64 different terms of expression of gender, which, okay, that's just gender expression. And it makes me wonder, there's probably so much more terms for our sexual identification that that are probably really just coming out all the time. Yeah, really in the last five to 10 years, there has just been this explosion in discussion about gender identity and sexual orientation. I mean, I can't even keep up with them all, um, but it's wonderful. I think it's so great how it's, we're we're redefining it for people and we're giving people a much broader range to think of themselves and to identify themselves. Uh, It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Why do you think it's important that we have all these different terms for identifying ourselves? I think it's important because other than what we realized years ago, there both gender identity and sexual orientation are so much broader than we've ever allowed ourselves to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, there's there have been so many people over the years who didn't quite fit in to the categories we had mm-hmm. um, what what like man woman like, <laughs> like well yeah there there wasn't a <laughs> heterosexual <laughs> like, yeah. but even before when we had like heterosexual bisexual yeah. homosexual like okay they, they gave you three <laughs> <laughs> yeah pick one yeah. You know, and even, you know, Kinsey, who is a great sex researcher way back in the 1940s and 50s, you know, even in his research, he realized that that's why he created what was called the Kinsey scale, which went from zero to six. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the saying within the sexology world was always that there's very few zeros and there's very few sixes. Most mm-hmm. people are somewhere, you know, from... 0.5 to 5.5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think as we've expanded it, we've really started to realize how broad that is. Mm-hmm. And then when you start bringing other things into it, like kink, like um, the different types of open relationship styles, mm-hmm. I think then we really even broaden it more on how some people find these things by chance and other people almost it appears like the, a, some, a, a type of orientation for them. Like it starts at such a young age and they just don't even think of doing it any other way. Mm. What's the difference between an orientation and a, well, I guess, identity or expression? How would you define those? That's a really an excellent question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I use these words that I just, I've learned over, you know, a, a lifetime of professional you know, involvement. And I don't even question why I use the word. So that's a very good question. Yeah. Uh, I I tend to think of orientation more as kind of just, it's, it's like, it's factory loaded, I guess is Mm. a good way of explaining it. It's just kind of the way you are Mm -hmm. and you just can't ignore it. 
um, where other people might have leanings towards things, but they probably like, especially when you talk about like open relationships, whether it be Mm -hmm. polyamory or any of those different types of relationship dynamics, there are people who start off in more traditional monogamy, partly because it's how our society teaches us we're supposed to be. And they do it fairly successfully for a number of years until somehow they get, uh, they meet somebody and they, they, they kind of start to learn that there are more options mm-hmm. for the people brave enough to do that. <sighs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So questioning how they, how they've been operating, is this right for me? Right. They, then they start to question it. But I have actually met people where, like, I have a friend of mine who's close to my age. So, I mean, he would have back in the, okay, I'm really dating myself, but like in the late 70s, early 80s, when he was a young person getting into relationships, he immediately had um, a polyamorous relationship. Mm. Mm. Which late 70s, early 80s was kind of unheard of for a teenager. Yeah, no kidding. How did they yeah. find somebody to to match with them like that? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. But he that was just how he started it. It was he had two girlfriends and it was very open and they all knew about it and they were all okay with it. And wow. And I'm just going, wow, how did you even think to do that back then? Mm-hmm. That would have never dawned on me. And that's why having these conversations really inspires because it gives us these different reference points to, to think critically for ourselves. I remember being in, I grew up in Missouri and we definitely, I didn't even know that there was a possibility of that. (laughs) I had heard of these like underground sex parties that would happen in LA, you know, you just through the ethers and be like, Ooh, oh my God, that's like scandalous. And then I moved to LA and I like become a part of those communities (laughs) and I'm like, Oh, (laughs) new reference point. (laughs) <laughs> no. And I, I even had best friends back in the eighties and nineties who had an open relationship and it, and it still didn't even dawn on me that maybe I should consider that too. <laughs> like, I don't know why. I think probably because I was living in Minneapolis at the time and, you know, the Midwest is, it's a bit more conservative. And I think I, I just never thought I, the men I were, was involved with that they would ever go for it. Right. Which makes me really wonder because there's been lately, I've been in a lot of conversations with people who've been asking me question, more and more questions. Actually, lately, please. It's been like years. People come to me with <laughs> curiosity about it, about these more non-traditional or non-monogamous relationships. Um, I don't, it's not an orientation for me, you know, using what we were talking about a moment ago um, to identify as poly, but I, I would say that I'm more non-traditional, meaning like depending on who I'm with and the alchemy of me and the other person and where I'm at in my life and what, what I'm able to give and what I'm able to receive determines the style of relationship that is, you know, whether it's more where on the spectrum it ends up being. (laughs) Uh, But what would you say as people who are considering this or, or curious, are there key factors that, that they should consider or, uh, maybe personalities that this might be more inclined to? Like, I don't think this is necessarily for everyone. Oh, definitely not for everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's, that is a very good thing to point out. You're right. Because this isn't for everyone. Um, I think certain there are certain key personality factors, such as people who, who are a bit more adventurous, mm. um, more comfortable with risk-taking. Mm-hmm. Check, check. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. And um, and people who are fairly confident. And, and you don't have to necessarily be completely confident because we all have little areas where we're insecure about this or that of our, mm-hmm. around ourselves. But you've, you've got to be able to work through your own insecurities. Because open relationships especially are going to shine this very bright light on any of your insecurities and what that means within your relationship. Mm. Yeah. Um, and 
and and the different i always say that i like to split open relationships into kind of like three basic areas there's the polyamory there's what i call the swinging lifestyle and then there's designer relationships well does that like designer boutiques like like build bear relationships like build your own um (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, polyamory is very, the term is very popular these days. Uh I mean, people hear it all the time. And, you know, even, even people, uh, you know, there are a lot of celebrities coming out talking about being in polyamorous relationships. And so, but yet a lot of people don't exactly understand what it means. They Mm -hmm. think any kind of open is polyamory and it's not really true. Right. That's polyamory. There's, there are specific dynamics that really make it polyamory Mm -hmm. because polyamory is means it's not just that you have other sexual partners. You also have other um, partners with emotional depth. Mm. So it's like being in love with two or three people who all know about it, who are all consenting to it. Um, so there's a lot more conversations that have to happen. There's a lot more communication. You, you cannot make the same assumptions in polyamorous relationships that you can in monogamous relationships. Mm, what do you mean by that? Well, I think we've been raised in our culture to think you know, the movies we watch, the books we've read, the love stories, the songs on the radio. I'm really dating myself with radio. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Dr. Rhoda. I also listen comes to the out. radio sometimes too. It's okay. <laughs> Just comes out. But, um, you know, the love songs we listen to, and they're very much based on two people mm. and, and how those relationships were taught to think how they work. Uh, you know, you just think of some of the language, like, you know, you're mine now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, some of the love songs from the 60s and 70s and 80s, like, oh, my God, I just want to barf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and 80s ballads are like my, my fucking favorite. But there's like... <laughs> Yes, I know. Um, but it affects how then we act in our relationships because uh-huh. those all of those subliminal messages that we take in at a subconscious level and we don't even realize it's it's like they're little computer programs run, running in the background that we don't even know are there. Yeah. And then when something comes up, like if you're in a polyamorous relationship and now your partner has his other partner and they're going to go spend the night with their other partner and you're like, whoa, wait, <laughs> you're, you're mine. You're supposed to be here with me. Mm-hmm. And that gut level reaction that you have to be able to not only notice, but then be like, all right, how do I manage this emotion within this because I've agreed to this. I'm okay with it, but yet it still doesn't feel good initially at a gut level when you're, when you're just starting this type of relationship. And there's all of those little landmines that people don't even realize are there until they step on them. Yes. 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 And so I want to jump into that, but first I want to clearly define, you were talking about the uh, swinger lifestyles and designer. Yeah. And swinger lifestyles, I mean, people have heard of it for many years and it's, it's traditionally more where you have a couple who they are their primary relationship, Mm -hmm. but together or separately, they have additional sexual partners who are, they're not in love with, they're not having this long-term committed relationship with, um, they're more like playmates, friends with benefits, you know, whatever terms you want to use for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's consensual. Everybody knows about it, but they're, they're not having that deep committed relationship. Like this is not the additional person they want to bring home to meet the family for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right. Which you might do with polyamory if you have two committed partners at that level. Um, Everybody come home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's going to be a long table. <laughs> Yeah. And and it's really interesting when you want to bring them back to Missouri or Iowa for the (laughs) giving good dinner with the family. (laughs) So, yeah. And then designer relationships. I I wish I'd coined that term. Unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, But it came out probably 25 years ago or so. And 
you, I mean, technically any type of open relationship could be called a designer relationship because mm-hmm. even polyamorous and swinging relationships are, depending on the people involved in them, they still have unique aspects to them. So, you know, they're not exactly the same, but I like to think of designer relationships as sometimes even more unique than the others Mm -hmm. so that they may have properties of polyamory or properties of swinging, but yet aren't really quite either one. Um, Yeah. There is yeah. a book, the one of my favorite books that explained a lot of the nuances of relationships was Polysecure. Have you I familiar just with that one? I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. I've read it at least like, okay, maybe like once, but it's it's really great. I keep going back to it. And there's a there's a chart inside of there that describes different manifestations of relationships and of uh, non-traditional relationships. And from a spectrum of sexual exclusivity um, and low sexual exclusivity, and then low emotional exclusivity to high emotional exclusivity. So it's like a quadrant. And along those, there's all these different manifestations of it that I didn't even think about. You know, there's monogamy, there's monogamish, there's poly fidelity, there's hierarchical, polyamory, poly intimates, um, solo polyamory, relationship anarchy. It was like, I was like, oh my God, this is the, this is the holy grail of like everything that we can, you know, it, it almost gives permission of, like you said, to design your own relationships. It's like build a bear. You get to pick this and you get to pick this. Yes. And- yeah. And, and I think People in open relationships tend to do that anyway. Um, (laughs) And for years, I've always, anytime I'm working with couples, I always try to tell them and get that thought in their, whether they're choosing monogamy or not, but that thought process of your relationship does not like have to look like anyone else's. Mm. Doesn't look like your parents, your siblings, or your friends, or the people you went to school with. Like you get to design this so that it actually works for the people involved in the relationship. Yeah, which it almost makes it, I, I feel like we're a lot more motivated to make something work when it's ours. You know, we, these are the things that are most in line with us versus just adopting a message from somebody else or from culture or from family. Yeah. And so many people have gotten that message that they have to adopt what they've been given from family and culture mm-hmm. and society and don't even, they don't even realize that they really can design it how they want it. As long as mm-hmm. it's working for the people involved, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's a freeing thought when you, when you can really wrap your head around it and you'll be like, oh, this doesn't have to look like my parents' marriage. You know, mm-hmm. especially when you think about whatever you, you learned growing up about your parents' marriage that you noticed was not very healthy or was rather dysfunctional you know, I don't have to adopt that part. Yes. How freeing that can be. Yeah. Freeing and scary too, I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah, it can be a bit scary. Yeah, Yeah. because I think people attach to those things because it gives them that sense that they know what to do, they know what to expect. And you take that away, they feel like they have no safety net. Hmm. Which is why I think people cling to that so much, even when they're unhappy with it. Yeah. So like security based on the structure, the relationship structure or the relationship identity versus the security that's created from your own sense of self. Right. Exactly. That once you're in a relationship where you don't have like these preset ideas of what it looks like, it's you're faced with, oh my God, can I find security in myself? even if, you know, however this ends up unfolding. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that is very terrifying for many people. Um, But it can be freeing once you get past being scared. Yeah. And probably this is related to what you were talking about earlier about the, the minds, like stepping on the minds in -hmm. relationships. What are some of those common mistakes that you see people make when they're making that transition from monogamy to non-traditional? 
I think one of the big ones, and and I hear this a lot with people new, and they, they immediately go into this, well, we have to set up some rules. Yep, I heard that one. <laughs> How is this going to work? We have to have rules. And, you know, if people think back, even to your childhood, whenever you heard the word that you were given rules, mm-hmm. usually that meant they were imposed upon you. You did not get to negotiate them. You did not get to... Um, like think about what was the purpose of the rules? What Mm -hmm. were they trying to keep you safe from? It was usually your parents, teachers, whoever, who set the rules. And Mm -hmm. they didn't didn't ask us whether or not it worked for us. And so then that's the biggest mistake people make because oftentimes you've got one person who's slightly more interested in doing this than the other. And the other's a little bit anxious, they might even be willing to do it, but they're just a little bit more anxious about what's going to happen and where is this going to go? And and so they're the ones usually setting the rules mm. based mm-hmm. on their own fears, based on their own insecurities. Sure. And the person who wants to get in this and get this going will often accept anything the other one asks because they just want to get moving. Yeah. And so they don't even think about do these rules really even work or are, how are they going to get in our way? So I try to always tell people, if you can think about it more as sitting down and go, okay, what are our agreements? Uh, I love that. Because agreements mean that we're going to talk about it. We're going to think about what works for each of us. Why do we want it? What are we trying to protect? Or is this more just about our own fear and insecurity mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. need to address and and work, work on getting past. Because yeah. if you work on that insecurity and that fear, that's where people get into what they think of as the jealousy. And because jealousy is usually about insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I tell people the problem with them understanding what they're feeling with jealousy is that we, as a society, we've misused the definition of the term so many times. Mm, preach. Now, People don't understand it and they confuse envy with jealousy. And and the best example I always give people is if they think about if they're on Facebook or any of the social media sites and they see their friend post that their friend is going on this great trip to Italy. Mm -hmm. What do you see everybody posting? I'm so jealous. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You can't be jealous of your trip, friend's trip to Italy. You're envious because they're getting to go on this trip and you're not getting to go. Jealousy really is an emotion when it's an appropriate use of the emotion is when you fear that you are being replaced in a relationship by someone mm-hmm. else. So mm-hmm. either in a romantic relationship, your partner is you know, now more interested in someone else and you feel like you're actually being replaced and they're going to leave you for this other person. That's jealousy. Um, Mm -hmm. Or even in a friendship, like if your friend starts having another friend that now they seem to be liking more and spending more time with and avoiding spending time with you, you feel like you're being replaced by this other new BFF. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's jealousy. So what's the, what's important about being able to delineate the difference between those two? Well, the difference is you have to be able to look at it in your relationship. So let's say two people have been in a monogamous relationship. Now they go and they decide to do polyamory and they, they mm-hmm. have this additional partner or this additional couple that they've paired up with. And of course, when you're new in any relationship, there's all this excitement, what they call new relationship energy. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. And, you know, it's that feeling of falling in love and it's exciting. And and the other relationship is still valid if it's going well, but it's not going to have the excitement of new relationship energy, even though it has what's called old relationship energy, which is that sense of security and comfort and safety That is a wonderful part of longer term committed relationships where you have that sense of, I can just be myself. I don't have to worry. Um, But it's easy for people to get confused because now they've got this new relationship energy with the other person and you're the one with the old relationship energy. You're the comfort 
Mm-hmm. You're like, <laughs> I've been you. I've seen you. I had you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so then it's easy to go, is this really jealousy where they're happier with that other person and going to leave me for them? Or is this just new relationship energy? And in t- uh, my place is still safe and secure. Oof. Oh my God. That's such a challenging place to be in. And I can speak for that personally too, of like being in that situation. And, and I had, was it, I think it was a, a, a mentor. They said, uh, be careful about making decisions during under the intoxicating effect of NRE <laughs> of new relationship energy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm so in love. <laughs> yes. And, and I think it would be better if we taught people that even just in monogamous relationships in general of that, that power of new relationship energy and how maybe you want to get a little past that before you decide if you're going to live with this person, buy a house with this person, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> marry this person, because mm-hmm. let the new relationship energy calm down a little bit. And then you're going to be able to see this person more clearly and look at them and go, are they really a good match for me? Or is this just really fantastic sex? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so important. Yeah. I, I, I talk about it in my book that my husband and I hit this um, a few years back when we were fairly new and we tend to do more of the swinging lifestyle than polyamory, mm-hmm. but I had, there was somebody who I'd met and, and he and I just had this incredibly intense chemistry sexually. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a friend. I mean, I liked him as a friend, but yeah. outside of sex, there was really nothing else we had in common. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure we could have agreed on the same restaurant to go to lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Our tastes are just so different. Our personalities are just so different. Like more than two to three hours. And it's like, no. Mm -hmm. But early on, my husband was confused by this intense sexual chemistry. And we were still fairly new in um, getting into swinging that, you know, at even though he's not a jealous person by nature, he started behaving really strangely. And I finally figured out it was jealousy because he was Mm -hmm. worried I was going to leave him for this other person. And I had to really set him down and just very frankly be like, no, that is not what's going on here. Yes. This other person, I, we have really great sex, Mm -hmm. but after two to three hours, I, got to go because I, like I'm going to be bored if we have to do anything else like yeah. your risk of losing me to him is non-existent like mm-hmm. you need to calm this down because you have nothing to worry about mm-hmm. I am not leaving you for this person ever <laughs> oh wow and that you could speak to him in that way and how did he receive that when you said that to him Actually, he received it really well. Like he just needed it very blunt and to the point of like, I am never leaving you with this person. You have Mm -hmm. nothing to worry about. We are fine. We are great. Mm -hmm. You are the man I want to grow old with. Yeah. So that's beautiful that you could, yeah, that you could have that conviction and to be able to hold that for him and and he receive it in that way. There's Mm -hmm. so many, this is something that when couples come to work with me, a lot of times they're shocked that, or they shame themselves for having jealousy or having envy come up for them because they're like, but I'm not supposed to have jealousy. I'm not supposed to be jealous, but here I am being jealous and and I don't even like that. Or or they minimize having the jealousy and they're trying to be what I, what I, coined the perfect poly partner, (laughs) air quotes. And it's like, that's not a real relationship. I don't think that's a real relationship any, in any relationship, let alone, you know, in this one, I think what's true is speaking to what's alive in you, what's authentic, even if it is messy and, and not as socially desirable. Right. And, And especially with things like polyamory, if, if there starts to be an issue of noticing that you're so attracted to the one person, you might have to have some discussions about, okay, is there something missing from our relationship that has gotten stale or that we have not addressed or we've been Mm -hmm. avoiding? 
you know, issues that have come up, resentments that have built, and we're mm-hmm. just per- trying to pretend it's not there, that we need to address so that our relationship has more of that connection and life again. Mm-hmm. You know, like any real long-term relationship that goes on, they ebb and flow. And you you have to be putting energy back into them if you really want them to last for the lifetime that we tend to think about long-term relationships are supposed to last. And I don't necessarily think they all are supposed to last that long, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to make it last that long, you have to be putting energy back into it. Mm -hmm. You've got to lean in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lean in towards each other instead of engaging in protective mechanisms. (laughs) It's like, how can we create connection even if it's vulnerable and scary? Yes. Yeah. And, And that is very hard for people. Um, I always tell people it's, it's easy to meet someone you like, and it's even easy to meet someone you fall in love with. It's hard to learn to live with somebody, learning to live with someone in the day in and day out Mm -hmm. when it's not all roses and multiple orgasms. That's the hard part. Yeah. that's, That's the part we really don't teach people how to do very well. Yeah. And then we wonder why there's a 50% divorce rate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, yeah, the authenticity that that requires, the vulnerability that that requires. And and it it seems like those seem to be the points in which people bring up the the rules or wanting to shut down the close the container again or, you know, make these drastic like hard lines. Right. Because again, there is that fear of, I have to control this. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I don't control it, you're going to leave or you're, I'm always amazed at how many people, when it, when it comes down to it, truly don't like themselves or truly don't feel like they are worthy. And they're afraid their partner is going to figure out that they've been, (laughs) they've been duped. If they realize who they really are, they're going to leave. Oh my God, I'm raising my hand. That was so me for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's so sad Mm. because this is the person you're supposed to be able to be yourself with and Mm -hmm. understand that. And and often I think these people don't realize that their partner probably does see them more than they realize (laughs) (laughs) and and still has not left them. Yeah. 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 I clean your underwear. I know you more than my- <laughs> exactly. Like I've seen yeah. all your insecurities. Yeah. I, I'm here, and I'm still not here leaving. It. So, mm-hmm. like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. It's so and yet so easy to say, but then the practice of it. Like, how many? You know, we all have these wounds from our childhood that get lit up with with different individuals that mm-hmm. tend to spark it. Yeah, can relationships. Exactly. <laughs> and if we really want our partner to fully love us, we first have to fully love ourselves. Mm. Because how can you expect anyone else to love you if you secretly don't even like yourself? Mm. Yeah. I, I can see that in regards to like the energetics of receiving a love or even affection. Mm-hmm. Although I would, I would say that in my relationships, I definitely learned how to love myself more because of those relationships. Cause I got to see somebody consistently showing up for me and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're still here. Oh, you're still here. And it started to reprogram that it was safe enough for me that I was secure, that it was okay that they did. Um, you know, even in my messiness and even these parts I didn't love yet, I got to see a new reference point of, Oh, okay. These parts are lovable. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, 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 I sometimes think that people believe that if they open up their relationship, it's going to damage it or it's going to mm-hmm. pull them further apart. And, and I've certainly seen that happen with people, especially when they're not having the hard discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it well, it can actually give you a much deeper level of intimacy to be that vulnerable and to let the person see that, yes, you, as, as much as you love them and adore them, that, that maybe you do need additional sexual partners to really feel fully satisfied and content as a person. And it's not 
about that they're not good enough. It's not yeah. about that they aren't enough. It's just you have needs that one person could not possibly ever fulfill. Mm-hmm. And to have that accepted, because I think especially so many of us have grown up feeling bad that we even have those feelings. Yeah. Um, I mean, both genders, but I mean, especially as women, you know, our society doesn't always embrace our sexuality in the same way that it embraces men's sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so as a woman to feel like one man is somehow not quite enough or one partner's not enough bumps up against all of those things that we grow up with as women mm-hmm. and the lo- the multiple nasty names we get called if we don't fit into the the bubble that society thinks we're supposed to be to be good girls or or nice women or you know yeah it's a mm, yeah preach preach that yeah and it doesn't that make it so polarizing too because it makes it hard it's like even if we or this is what i've experienced with people that i've worked with um as well as you know them stepping into more of this non-monogamous type of relationship but their brain is it's almost like their brain is still operating on the program of one or the other and mm-hmm. so they go into it and they're like, yeah, okay. And and I tell them, like, you can have both. And they're like, yeah, I can have both. I can have both. But then it's almost like their mind shifts them to, to start pushing away the other one and just focusing on this one. And it's like, it, it's tricky in this mind. All these cultural programmings, whether it's about being a woman, being a man, being a sexual person, being in relationship. I know. It's, it is very complicated. And we learn so much of this stuff at a very young age, mm-hmm. you know, from watching um, the important people in our lives, whether they be parents, grandparents, you know, aunts, uncles, whoever, you know, is raising us and watching their relationships and, and listening to what they're telling us as well as society and the media and all of that. Um, if I could burn every single copy of that Rihanna song about, make me feel like I'm the only girl in the world. I'm the only one you'll ever love, whatever Mm. the lyrics are. Mm -hmm. I despise that song. And every time I hear it, I'm like, great. Now we're raising another generation of young women who think that some man is supposed to make them feel like there's no, never going to be anyone else but her. Like he'll never look at another woman. He'll never be attracted. He'll Mm. never have desires, whether he acts on them or not. But like then somehow he's wrong. He doesn't clearly love her enough if he even has the feelings, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, we're just completely screwing up another entire generation. Oh, I Thank know. God for all these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> to have these different conversations. Yes. I know. People let me rant. <laughs> <laughs> so one thought that, that just came to my mind as we were talking about you know, rules and agreements and um, boundaries and the difference between all of those. And one experience that I've had with, with people has been the refusal to have rules. So it's the opposite. You brought mm-hmm. in about this, the person who wants to set all the rules to create safety in the, and then what about the person, the situations where the person's like no rules, I just want to flow. Just want to see what happens. I just, I want to be in my own flow. I want to be in my own direction of how this, how this goes. What would you say to that? And that is a tough one because in theory, it sounds like that should work great. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't in practice. Mm -hmm. Um, because in, in many ways, it sounds like they're saying, I don't want anyone to tell me what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like to be in a committed relationship, it's still a negotiation. Mm-hmm. But to have no rules where nobody, you're not even negotiating with somebody about how this is going to work, mm-hmm. which is, that's what I hear from that is that I'm not going to let anyone tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want. It's like, that's not going to last. Like, that's just a recipe for disaster. Mm. 
Yeah. Like even yeah. dating, there's not many people who are going to accept that. Yeah. Yeah. And yet it's, it's a common, and especially maybe that's because I'm in LA where there's, it's a common statement to say, oh yeah, if it's in flow or let's flow with it, or, or I'm, I'm going to be in my own flow and whatever feels good for me, or this is my truth. Like all this spiritual bypass terminology that just makes me nauseous to myself. I think you bring up a really good point of like relationships are a negotiation, you know, and how are we both allowing agency, which is your ability to choose, you know, respecting somebody's ability to choose and consent, which is, you know, all about how these, decisions impact your body, your mind, your choices, and how can we you know, find a, a balance between a win-win in a relationship of where both people's voice feels heard. And yeah. And, and because especially with additional sexual relationships, there's so many things that even if it's, you can say, well, it's only affecting me and my body. It's like, well, if we're in a relationship and it's affecting you and your body, it's going to probably end up affecting me and my body too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so mm -hmm. to feel then like the other person has no say in that mm -hmm. or no negotiation in it is, is not going to work for the long run. Yeah. 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 Because then you end up oftentimes with the other person staying because they want their relationship, but they feel they don't feel respected. They don't feel heard. They don't feel like their voice matters anymore. And mm -hmm. then that starts taking them down a very dark path mm -hmm. when you start to feel like your voice isn't heard anymore or matters anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is this, you end up in a place of, is this actually what I wanted to create? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or was I just, did I lose myself to the influence of this other person? just to yeah. maintain the relationship. I see that. Yeah. 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 For some, you what? I said, I can see that happening though. I haven't yeah. had a lot of people say that, but I can, I can see it happening. Yeah. For somebody who's maybe not in a relationship yet, but they want to explore polyamory or uh, ultimately just non-traditional relationships. So they go out into the dating world. How would you suggest that they go about dating or have these conversations or, or even the types of people that they date? Um, well, you know, of course, in the, in the last year with the pandemic, it's, it's been a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a year ago, I would have said, you know, try, there are different groups that, like back when meetup.com was having a lot of meetups. Uh -huh. There were polyamory meetups where you could meet people who already were kind of like minded. Mm -hmm. um, or it's how you write the profile. I think you can even be on your typical um, main main stage dating sites, but how you write your profile is going to look different. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about what you want, um, wanting more non-traditional relationships. And I wouldn't even go quite so far as to spell it out saying, I want to do swinging or I want to do polyamory, mm -hmm. but just start the conversation of, I want some non-traditional type relationships. Mm -hmm. And then once you start meeting, because then you're going to at least track people are going to be like, I wonder what they mean by that. I, I'm, I'm curious. I want to send that person a message. What mm -hmm. do they mean by non-traditional relationships? Mm -hmm. um, so you're less likely to scare off people who could be interested than if you just say, I want to get into swinging. I'm looking for someone who wants to swing with me. Well, yeah. that's probably going to in initially scare them off when you don't even have any foundation built yet. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it's almost like, we're giving a term and everybody's got their own individual schema or idea of what that term means. And right. that may not be true for us. And I can really speak for myself because I used to do that too. I used to lead with, yes, I'm non-monogamous, but then I didn't realize that that was activating different images of other people's minds when it wasn't my expression of who right. I was. So I realized it was actually doing me a disservice instead of creating freedom for me. 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely do that and, and, and think of, I mean, there are certainly other dating websites that are more open-minded that even now have terminology that can, you know, it's, it's not just the typical ones before, you know, casual dating, looking mm-hmm. for a relationship, wanting to get married, you know, they used to be so limited. Now they have, Oh, I'm, you know, I do consensual non-monogamy or I, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm interested in open relationships or polyamory. Like they actually have those terms on the site you can put as part of your profile um, determination. So some of, they're starting to come around. Yeah. Field is an app that I've, that I've really liked where they're very sex positive and they have those different options. Do you know oh. of any other ones? I've, well, in the last year, I've kind of fallen out. Yeah. I know some of those <laughs> anymore. Um, yeah. I knew I had heard that some of them like, okay, Cupid or yeah. I, I think somebody told me that even Tinder was starting to have ah. options that you could put in your field to kind of wean out whether some of that. So Ooh, nice. they are starting to open it up more. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some websites that are particularly for like the swinging community. So there's a lot of really good, like if you're in a relationship and you're looking to meet other people or, and actually there are a fair number of single men and women who join the, the swinging lifestyle who it's not the traditional of what you think about, but there Mm -hmm. are actually quite a few. Um, And and you have to do it differently, obviously, but it, it can still work well. So those, those big name, Swinger websites, things like um, Cassidy, uh, Lifestyle Lounge, um, uh, Swing Lifestyle, yeah, um, yeah, SDC Swing Date Club. Some mm-hmm. of them tend to be a little bit regional, mm-hmm, sure. So it's good to check them out and kind of try to figure out if there's a lot of people on that particular site from your region um, before you go up and fully join. Because yeah. otherwise that gets expensive. Yeah, sure. Uh, I get that. Yeah. yeah. This is great. So I have a question for you from our audience. So anybody who's been following me on Instagram at Sex Love Yoga, I take followers questions and they put them to my guest experts. So before we tie this, tie this up in a bondage rope, I want to ask this, this episode up. Uh, I want to ask this question. So, and this is this is a juicy one. Um, your thoughts about how normalizing non-monogamy or non-traditional relationships will better society or humanity? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Got any thoughts on that? How will it, how will normalizing it improve things? Yeah. How will it better society? Well, I think there's a lot of improvements because it, it, it just from the get go at a younger age gives people the knowledge that there's options rather than how most of us grow up to think that we have to do monogamy first. And then eventually as we grow older, maybe then we transition to other things where Mm -hmm. if we start to let people know from the beginning that yes, you have monogamy, you have polyamory, you have swinging, you have consensual non-monogamy, you have all these different ways of doing relationships. You can, you can dabble with them, try them, and then maybe see what really fits best for you. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a huge improvement to society in general, um, rather than feeling like you have to do monogamy, realizing after several relationships that didn't work out that now you're, because people have this tendency then to blame themselves when their relationships don't work. Sure. Rather than being like, I'm trying to fit this square peg in this round hole of course it's not going to fit. I need to go find a square hole for my square peg. (laughs) That really sounds like a sexual reference. (laughs) I mean it to have, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That might also contribute to what we were talking about earlier with the sense of security, you know, finding mm -hmm. more security and sense of self instead of just relying on the structure. Yeah. 
and 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 learning to kind of figure out that for relationships to really work well, you've got to be, you've got to figure out your own insecurities and and have a good sense of self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. Um, that yeah. Um, I would love to see, and this is my own little personal rant. And, and I know many people don't agree with me on this, but I, I would right. love to see us no longer use the term non-monogamy. Mm. And the reason I say that is, is because then we're always putting the term monogamy into a relationship structure. Mm. It's kind of like if you were to, back when, you know, Kinsey was doing stuff, if somebody who was bisexual or gay was referred to as non-heterosexual, Mm-hmm. then everything reverts back to heterosexual as the normal. Yeah. So my problem with the term non-monogamy is that, well, then we're always using that term monogamy as like, then monogamy is the, the standard, monogamy is the normal, and this is something different. Rather than just saying it's some type of open relationship, well, then it's its own unique term. It's its own unique name. We're not, we're not thinking, we're not having to attach it to monogamy. Mm-hmm. I know it's my own little rant, but I love that. I think that's very, very insightful. You know, this heteronormative society that we've created, you know, of, right. and, and so expressing even the monogamy normative. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. monogamy normative. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see us break away from monogamy normative. Mm, I love that. Yes. Be more exclusive of the spectrum that we can create, build a bear off of. <laughs> exactly. Our own little build a bear. <laughs> oh, wow. Dr. Rhoda, this is amazing. I loved this conversation with you. Clearly, it lights me up. This is such a passion of mine. And you bring so much great golden nuggets to, to the table. So thank you so much for coming on here. What, how can people find you? Where can they get your book? Uh, my book, um, No More Hiding, Permission to Love Yourself, is on Amazon, uh, both in paperback and Kindle version. And my website is uh, drrhoda.com, so D-R-R-H-O-D-A.com. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, people can get a hold of me through there and see more of the kind of the different specialties I have that are talked about on my website. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days now that we, I, I literally closed my office last year during the pandemic and I work from home exclusively doing everything virtual now, yeah. which means that then I can work with people all over the country and all over the world. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I actually really enjoying that. So, yeah. Yeah. Me too. As a therapist, I'm enjoying it too. Yeah. So thank you. This is, this is brilliant. You also have so many conversations about uh, so much information about kinks and about fetishes and, and I'll just have to have you on another time to drop in about those because you're just a wealth of knowledge. So thank you again for coming on. I would love to come on and yes, can talk about some of those more unique, um, interesting kinks, fetishes. Um, Cause I, again, I think it's, it's getting more information out to the world so that people can kind of just normalize it for themselves and, mm-hmm. and not think of themselves as being flawed or broken or freaks or whatever horrible term they use for themselves, but just to mm-hmm. be like, this is just me my own little quirks and it's okay for me to share it with people yes yes preach if you're like me and you're always looking for fun new pods to obsess over while you're driving cooking cleaning the house or just vacantly staring at your ceiling then i recommend you check out okay babe by my dear friends kelly and connor What I love about their show is not only is it super accessible, but they drop some powerful wisdom bombs on current affairs. Not to mention, they are hilarious when they share their explorations, their trials, and their errors in their own relationship. And I might be biased because they had me on the show and our chemistry is fire. Check out the episode Sex Therapy and Social Conditioning with Dr. Kat Meyer. It's explicit, it's raw, it's real, and it's so much fun. 
They even talk about things like mushrooms and polyamory and how they fell in love. It's legit and it's really fun. <laughs> so head over to Apple Podcasts now and check it out. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy. Sexy.